0: You're listening to The Sidebar by NYABJ, a show about the world of media through the lens of Black media makers. I'm Katherine Jones. Here at the NYABJ, we celebrate Blackness year round. So take our Black History Month as a little extra sprinkle of Black excellence on your plates. Let's talk to someone who is the culture. We speak to Cynthia Horner, NYABJ member at large and pioneer in urban media. Ms. Horner boomed with a historic tenure in the magazine and entertainment industries. She has witnessed the inception of hip hop culture and watched some of your favorite artists grow up along the way, documenting in outlets such as Right On and Hip Hop Weekly. Come along with us on her journey all the way from Prince to Beyonce.
1: Hi, this is Cynthia Horner, CEO and publisher of Right On Digital, which is the digital companion to the legendary iconic right on magazine
0: so first off this is considered probably one of the most daunting questions for a lot of people so i'm going to ask you who is cynthia horner
1: cynthia horner is a myriad of different people there is the cynthia horner that is the editor slash journalist there's the cynthia horner that is very involved in her sorority that um, does quite a bit of community service and activism. And then there's the Cynthia Horner, who is like a big sister slash aunt to so many people in the entertainment business. There's just so many different facets to my um, personality and to my professional career. So you have
0: decades of experience under your belt. So talk to me a little bit more about the personal transformations you've undergone throughout the years, you know, change in priorities and skills and mindset um, as you went from place to place or year to year.
1: Okay, well, I started out really young. In fact, I actually made history because I was the youngest editor of an internationally published um, magazine, which was right on Magazine. And that was back in the mid-70s or mid to late 70s. And it was my first job. I had just gotten out of college and everything. So my journey has really transformed a lot over the years because I've done so many things with my life. I've edited quite a few different, top tier publications that are, that have been on newsstands. I actually helped create a publication that was out for several years, which was called Hip Hop Weekly, which was the first um, African-American bi-weekly entertainment publication And now at this stage in my life, I'm doing some other things because my family owns Right On Magazine, the magazine that I actually started out with as practically a child. So I've been through a lot and it's been a very rewarding journey. A lot of people that I know are no longer in this business. I'm like one of the few that's left standing because most people do not stick with a particular career either because um, they may have gotten laid off or maybe they just wanted to do other things with their life. So when I look at my life at this point, I am still basically one of the only um, magazine publishers that's still around. Uh, My, idol um, John H. Johnson who founded Ebony he's no longer living and he was actually the person who was the most prominent in that particular field so I figure I'm just um, keeping the torch going and I like to be an inspiration to other people that are attempting to get into this field it's not an easy field to be in and you go through a lot of of transition. Um, There's a lot of barriers that we still have to break as people of color because at the time that I started, they embraced people of color who were attempting to go into the different fields in media. And now there's pushback. So I'm just trying to keep out here. And I'm involved with the New York Association of Black Journalists. I'm the member at large at this point. And I just want to continue um, helping others that are attempting to um, go in the same path.
0: Was there a moment, whether it was right when you were started, uh, starting or mid career, that you know, you? We're like, I'm a four lifer, I wanna do this for the rest of my life, I'm sticking with it. Like, was was it an article? Was it like you just really passionate about one project? Like, what was it? What was that moment?
1: I never realized that I would still be doing what I'm doing at this stage in my life. Initially, when I got involved with the journal journalism career, I was hoping to, transition into um, working with foreign language publications, my ideal job that I really wanted was to um, work with Reader's Digest, who had a um, bilingual publication at that time, because I actually have a degree in Spanish and journalism. So that's what I wanted to do. So Unfortunately that opportunity didn't come about quickly enough and I did receive an offer to work at Right On Magazine which was an entertainment magazine and at the time they heavily covered uh, Michael Jackson and his family as well as um, the Soul Train dancers and quite a few other people that were changing um, landscape but There's not one article that I wrote that really changed things. It was just a series of events. And I would say that the series of events that took place were just, um, it was just a multitude of things. Um, I'm primarily known at this stage in my life for working with um, celebrities like Prince and Michael Jackson. And I would say, one of my articles with prince really kind of changed the landscape of what i was doing because at the time that i interviewed prince he sought me out it was not the other way around and he was not a household word word at that time he was depending on coverage from me to make him a household word which ended up happening and so i think that part of the legacy And what I will always be known for is my association with the artist known as Prince.
0: And going a little bit more into that and beyond, what do you think was the most critical decision
1: of your career? The most critical decision of my career? I can't say that there was one particular moment because my career has spanned so many decades. Um, I would say that giving Prince major coverage at, at a time when he was not well known, that was a critical decision that was made because at the time that Prince burst on the scene, there were actually other celebrities that were much more um, prominent than he was. So we actually really took a chance because he was a newcomer. Whereas the other Celebrities that we were covering in our publication were already well known, like the Jacksons and numerous other um, stars that were hit recording artists. So that was a critical moment. And then working with Hip Hop Weekly for a number of years, that was critical too, because the purpose of that particular publication was to continue finding um, breaking stories that we could get out, out before uh, these um, particular subjects were um, being covered by some of the talk show personalities and radio personalities. So just identifying the kinds of people and the kinds of stories that would fit for Hip Hop Weekly was very critical. And sometimes we got a lot of pushback because Hip Hop Weekly was considered a gossip publication. So we had a lot of artists that were not necessarily happy to have some of their personal business out in the streets, even if some of what we talked about was already somewhat common knowledge. They just didn't appreciate the fact that you could see what you saw in print. So it was a critical decision to continue to stay with that publication for the length of time that I did because of the fact that it kind of affected some of the relationships that I had with some of the artists and management who felt that certain subjects should be taboo to um, black readership. They didn't care if mainstream covered it, but when we covered these stories, it was an issue. So that's what I would say would be an answer to your question.
0: Great. So you have watched hip hop kind of blossom or at least be taken more seriously than it was. So what has that been like seeing how hip hop has now had this prominence in American market as well as the world now? Um, And what has it been like seeing media transform and how it's covered it?
1: Well, I'm really excited about the fact that hip hop is finally getting its recognition. I remember when hip hop first burst onto the scene, everybody kept saying it wasn't going to last. They thought that hip hop music was a fad and it would probably last maybe about three to five years maximum. And then um, the industry would um, kind of turn its back on hip hop and that we would then embrace other forms of music. But over the years, it's just continued to blossom. And one of the reasons why it's continued to blossom is the fact that some of the early pioneers in hip hop were able to figure out ways to keep their name out there in terms of films and other projects that would give them much more longevity. Um, For instance, um, Curtis Blow, who, as I mentioned earlier, is the first um, celebrity, um, hip hop celebrity that was signed to a major label and the first to be on the cover of a newsstand, a national newsstand magazine, which was, of course, ours right on. He has been in a number of movies. He started out with um, the film Crush Groove, And Crush Groove also starred quite a few other hip-hop artists. We actually did a really nice cover on them back in the day, which is, you can find in different museums. Um, He was able to make that transition. LL Cool J, who came along a little bit later, was able to make that transition also by appearing in various types of movies, action type movies and things like that. And now of course, um, he has um, become a television icon as well because of the different projects that he's done. But that's what ended up happening with a lot of um, these hip hop artists. They were able to take something about themselves and blow it up and make it very huge and magical. So it's just great to see that you've got the LL Cool Jays, you've got the salt and Peppas, you've got the Curtis Blow, who actually, at this stage in his career, he's been quite involved with um, the formation of museums that cover hip-hop culture. And Curtis Blow is also one of the prominent actors that's in a stage play that comes out every year called the hip hop nutcracker. So what these artists have done is very admirable because they have been able to get a seat at the table at corporate meetings and be able to use their celebrity hood to make millions of dollars in industries that are not necessarily tied in with record labels. So I'm just really proud that I know these people and that I was there at the beginning of their career and that I'm still there. And what's interesting about hip hop is at one point, People were afraid of it because of the fact that it was music from the streets of the communities from which they came. But now everybody embraces hip hop. You have a lot of white artists um, and mainstream artists all over the world who feel that they're part of hip hop culture as well. So it's actually the biggest money-making genre of music it's actually surpassed rock and roll at this point and no one ever thought that was going to be possible
0: can you tell me a little bit more about the intersectionality of not only being black but being a black woman in this uh industry especially in urban and in hip-hop media uh what that oh. was like for you and what was it was like you know speaking up and finding your voice
1: well I didn't really have to speak up to find my voice because by the time hip hop emerged on the scene and I was at the forefront of that, people knew me from right on magazine. So they were just happy that I embraced um, the culture. Um, At the time that I started covering hip hop, hip hop was not that prominent. Um, I remember we gave curtis blow a lot of his early coverage because he was signed to a major record label and we had a lot of access to him Um, curtis blow remains a friend i was just with him several weeks ago and we always talk about how i had my pulse on what was being um accomplished with hip-hop music Now, what I will say is I've always gotten the respect from the artists where hip hop is concerned. I will not say that that same experience has transcended to other females that were in this business. Um, A lot of what we know about hip hop music is that some of the creators and some of the artists don't necessarily have the respect that they should for women. We've had cases where women have been assaulted. Um, We've had um, cases where some of the female journalists have been completely disrespected by those that were in the culture. I didn't have that problem. Um, I had the protection of being um, employed by a major magazine company. So that helped. But it also had to do with the way that I carried myself. I was never a groupie. I made sure that there were always boundaries with the interviews that I did. I never put myself in situations where I was alone with some of these artists or their handlers or management. So I was quite careful about that because my reputation means everything to me. I was raised a certain way. I came from a very, very good background and I never wanted to be embarrassed. I never wanted to um, have a situation where it would become a he said, she said situation. So I made sure that my voice was known as a person of integrity and professionalism. But sometimes other people try to take shortcuts and they try to get in and make a name for themselves in a different way. And unfortunately, because of that, they've put themselves in situations where they have um, actually done things that were not necessarily in their best interest. And the thing is, when you're a female in this business, you have to work doubly hard. Um, there are still a lot of men who control many of the elements in this business. That's why I'm thankful that at this stage in my career, that I am actually the CEO of our company, which is Right On Digital And I am the person who is the top decision maker. And I think that many women that are in this business at this point, they need to become the top decision makers where they work as well so that they can kind of control the landscape too.
0: And what has it been like, you know, now from... A position of being, you know, top of the ladder and management. How have you made sure that you created an environment that advocated for the culture, Black culture, uh, female culture, uh, media culture, hip hop culture, a safe environment that fosters, you know, conversation and great content and prioritizes great journalism and media?
1: Well, what I do is something that was not really being done with some of the companies that I worked for. Um, When I got started, most of my employers were not um, African-American. I was the African-American. So when you're dealing with people who don't totally understand the culture, sometimes you get pushback from them because there are certain subjects that they may not feel that comfortable with, or they don't feel that certain topics um, are really that um, sellable. And since now I'm the one in charge, I already know how to identify the kinds of material that we should be covering. And I just kind of wish that I had been in that position Years before, but when you're working for other people, sometimes you can't really change the landscape that much because they already have a preconceived notion about what something should be, how stories should be told, um, what stories to sh- shy away from. And I don't have to do that at this point. I can cover whatever I feel needs to be covered if that's what I want to do.
0: And do you remember a time um, that was truly memorable for you where you had to advocate for the culture in a non-Black space?
1: Well, I really had to advocate for the culture back in the eighties when hip hop was still a burgeoning um, industry. Because a lot of these, a lot of these hip hop celebrities did not have the typical appearance that you would see in mainstream publications or whatever. Um, hip hop was very raw, very gritty. A lot of these artists wore the clothing that they felt comfortable wearing in their environment. Um, a lot of these people were not necessarily groomed or anything like that. And I really had to take a stand because I was working with, in a publishing industry where some of these images were not considered um, great to really feature. And so I really had to take a stand there because I had to let them know This is the culture. This is the way these artists dress. This is the way they speak. These are the kinds of songs that they put out. And that was really, really difficult um, because I was really alone where that was concerned. I don't think there was really anybody at my company that felt that I was doing the right thing. They thought it was awful, actually, but i just continued to persevere and a lot of these artists that i had to um defend and try to um give coverage to they're still out here now making lots of money and they're now being celebrated through the 50 years of hip hop
0: how do you balance uh both kind of i don't know both environments like being able to thrive in that hip hop environment and connect with all these artists, but also work in a, in a more, I guess, polished or corporate environment where you have to succeed in both and kind of be the bridge between both.
1: Well, it wasn't really that difficult because I have a very embracing personality. I'm somebody that gets along with everybody. Um, I'm not really someone that's real confrontational or anything. I'm more of, have a more of a public relations um, posture. So I really didn't have any problem when I would have to deal with the celebrities. They were just happy that I was willing to give them coverage and gave them respect, always ask really, really fantastic questions, made them feel good about themselves. And then when I was in the office, I was always the first person in the office, maybe the last to leave at night. So I was considered an extremely hardworking individual. So that's just really the way I navigated. I didn't get a lot of sleep back in those days because I was putting in some late hours at the office. And then from there, I would still try to cover different events, go to concerts, Um and different other types of um, events, dinners, and things of that nature so that I could continue getting more content for our publications. But I managed. I managed very well. A lot of people would not be able to do that because some people have a personal life and they don't want their personal life to interfere with job or job related activities but I don't have any children so it was really easy for me to do that now if I had been a single mother or if I had been married at the time I'm not sure how I would have been able to work all this in but um I'm married now but I'm married to a celebrity photographer so therefore he can accompany me to different events um he can ensure that my safety is not compromised or anything like that. And we have a very effective working relationship. So you mentioned you
0: were reading uh, before we spoke. What what have you been reading lately and uh, what, what music have you been listening to?
1: Well, as far as music is concerned, I listen to a lot of music right now. My focus for the next couple of weeks is on some television um, shows that I'm covering. Um, There is a franchise, of course, we all know about, um, the Power franchise, which was spearheaded by 50 Cent, and I do a lot of interviews with the talent that appears on the different series that he puts out. And I have to give props to 50 Cent for this because 50 Cent is the first hip hop artist that has been able to successfully um, produce a series of very, very popular television shows that speak to the culture Um, primarily Southeast Queens, where he's from, as well as other cities, um, Detroit and Atlanta. And I think that it's very important to recognize what he's done because when I first started out working at Right On Magazine, you didn't have Black people behind the scenes You may have seen some people in front of the cameras as actors or actresses, but the real money comes when you can create your own projects. And over the years, it's been very um, heartwarming to see how we have so many different people that have been able to get an opportunity to create their own content and tell stories the way that they want to tell them and to cover stories that a few of us may have known but it was nothing that the whole world knew so i think that that's important now as far as books are concerned i'd love to read there are quite a few um, celebrity biographies that have come out recently um i know gabrielle union she she puts out, um, she's been putting out a lot of content. Um, Kevin Hart has content. And I like to read fiction. Um, I have several Black women authors that are a kind of like role models for me. If I were ever to write romantic fiction, um, I would follow the careers of, such women as Rochelle Allers, um Brenda Jackson, and Beverly Jenkins, these three women are some of the best fiction writers that I've ever read and I've read everything I've I've studied English literature and so many other um, different genres, but I have to celebrate the accomplishments of these three women because they've each written between 50 to 100 books. Um, they are really changing the landscape for what um, Black female authors are doing, and so I admire what they're they're doing. And as far as current music I like everybody um I'm not somebody who's going to um complain about the fact that a lot of these artists use profanity I understand I understand it I'm not saying I would do that but I'm not a recording artist so therefore I can't criticize what other people are doing I would like to to give a shout out to Beyonce. Beyonce is now going into the vein of country music and she's a real risk taker. And I admire what she's done. The song is a nice song. And let's face it, we have a lot of African-Americans that live in the Southwest and the the Southern part of the United States. And for years, we listened to um, mainstream artists like uh, Dolly Parton or, you know, different people that were in that country vein. But I think that having Beyonce going into country music is going to be very inspirational to other people who felt like that form of music was not for them. So I'd like to acknowledge her and Beyonce is someone that I first started covering she was probably about 15 or 16 years old as a member of Destiny's Child and I really am enjoying just watching her journey um, what she's done as a recording artist as a songwriter and the different business ventures that she has. I think that little girls need to really look at what Beyonce is doing, not just with what she's wearing or what hairstyle she has, but about her different business moves and her philanthropy. Um, She's been very involved with companies like Goodwill. Um, You know, she's got, um, hair care lines um, perfume and all of that and she's just making millions on top of millions but she's also trying to reach back and, and help others you know she gives so many people opportunities she's even giving her own daughter an opportunity well there you have it folks
0: the great Cynthia Horner Thank you so much for joining the sidebar by NYABJ.
1: Well, thank you so much for the interview. It was very enjoyable and I hope I gave you what you were looking for. Oh, thank you. I loved hearing a lot of like your stories
0: and your advice and like the things you went through.
1: Yeah. If you ever want to do another one, we could talk about some other subjects if you want. So um. yeah, yeah, definitely
0: keep us updated when
1: you come out with the memoir. Okay. Well, thank you again. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye.
0: All you listeners out there, have a great rest of your Black History Month and Black History Year. The Sidebar is a production of the Greater New York Chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists. The opinions heard in this episode belong to the individuals who express them, and not to NYABJ. The music in our show theme is by Hulls in the Raps, and I'm Katherine Jones. Subscribe now to join us for more conversations and industry highlights, straight from The Source.